check yourself I don't know the thing I'm a hunter where they want me. It's like the mama they come again. Sign up for a free trial of Amazon Prime. 30-day free trial available through coloradosportsguys.com. With Amazon Prime, you get free two-day shipping on millions of items, unlimited streaming of 41,000 movies and TV episodes, and over 350,000 Kindle titles to borrow for free. Click the banner at coloradosportsguys.com for your free trial of Amazon Prime. From CSG Studios high above the streets of beautiful Denver, Colorado, you're listening to the Colorado Sports Guys. They talk about sports and stuff. And now your hosts, Jeff Morton, Ross Martin, and Nate Timmons. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Colorado Sports Guys podcast. Once again, we're high above the beautiful streets of Denver, Colorado. I forgot what uh, state I was going to say. Well, Renee already said that, so whatever. Well, yeah, but it's important to know where we are. Oh, okay. That voice you're hearing, as usual, I am Nate Timmons. With me, as always, Ross. If they don't pay us, we don't talk about them, Martin. Howdy, folks. <laughs> Welcome to the Colorado Sports Guys podcast, where the West lives. Making his way all the way down here from Fortin, Colorado, we got Jeff Morton. What's up? What's up? That's what the man says now. God he changes it. it on a week-by-week basis. We've got a lot to talk about today. We'll get into Ross's headlines in a minute. We'll be talking about the Denver Broncos, of course. Season just around the corner. First preseason game coming Go up. Broncos! Against the San Francisco 49ers. And we're bringing back the top five list tonight. We're going to do the top five stadiums or arenas we'd most like to visit. And before we do that, I just want to say something. I've noticed over the past couple months, we're seeing a lot more people that are downloading. We've seen our numbers increase a lot. So I just want to say... To everybody out there who's been with us, thank you very much. And for all the first-time listeners uh, or people who are new to the show, thank you very much. Keep giving us a try. Do us a favor. Listen to the whole episode and then uh, listen next week and continue to listen forever. Yeah, there you go. That's all you got to do. That's all I'm so asking. very simple All I'm asking is that you listen. And, and if you'd like to introduce yourself, you can always – and we don't talk about this every week, but you can always email us, show at com, or you can send us a text message or leave us a voicemail at this phone number, 720-722-1274. What's that number, Ross? 720-722-1274. We love all of our listeners. They're just the most brilliant bastards over on the planet. Indeed, because they know how to get a podcast. If you know how to get a podcast, you're probably one smart mofo. And you're probably extremely successful – well rounded, well balanced, bright, bright. bright. Yeah. Same. We're not talking about radio audience yeah. here. Let's be honest. Probably have boys, <laughs> girls chasing you down, trying to take you on dates, trying to lavish you in in sorts of riches and. That, that's how I would describe our demographic. Our yeah. Listeners. So basically, Absolutely. rolling like a rap video. If you're uh, listening to this, yeah, absolutely. Riding. Yes, very good. All right, let's get into it. Ross's headlines. August 6, 2013, from the L.A. Times by Sam Farmer. Oh, your boy, Jeff. Yep, Sam, the old farm They used guy. to play uh, bocce ball together back in the day. They both yeah. were uh, varsity. We lived in South Florida. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Riley Cooper returns to the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, the reason why I bring this up is because Riley Cooper, of course, for those who don't know, as I wouldn't usually know because I don't watch like, you know, sports, television, or anything, or the internet, or yeah, <laughs> you know, straight or, up or moving pictures, straight up. Yeah, you should see Ross's house. He's got a Nickelodeon in here, and he turns the crank as he looks at the movies. Yeah, so, refuses to pay for smartphones, internet capabilities. Only can text and call, but he turned texts off from whatever. Yeah, that's true. You get one bounce back. Yeah, this this user does not use, does not accept text messages. Uh, Riley Cooper returns to the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, the reason why he was not on, you know, recently with the Philadelphia Eagles during it was because he was at a a Tyler Chatwood concert and on his way out got into a fight and used some uh, racial epithets. Uh, you mean uh, Kenny Chesney? I thought it was Tyler Chatwood. Was it a Tyler show? Chatwood? The, I believe the Country is, Music Award Artist of the Year of uh, I believe Tyler Chatwood is a pitcher for the Rockies. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> pretty close to Kenny Chesney. Ross got this one from a smoke signal he saw in the sky. I was pretty sure Tyler Chatwood was a country music artist. He could be. <laughs> well, he should be. With it the sounds name. like one. If he's not already, I guess we just gave his agent a brilliant idea. <laughs> Tyler Chatwood and Riley Cooper also might be looking for future professions outside of their respective sports. Now, here's the thing about this. Uh, Riley and Cooper are both dogs' names. That is true. That's yes. like naming your kid, like, Fido Spot. Correct. Or Spot Fido or, like, Philo Mittens or... Philo Mittens, yeah, that's a popular one. Uh The guy... <laughs> The guy's Professor Oatmeal, perhaps. The, Eagles. <laughs> uh, the guy goes off uh, at the Tyler Chatwood concert, whatever, <laughs> opening for Tim McGraw, something along those lines. Gets, you know, a little, a little drunk or something, overserved. Gets starts getting kicked out by a bunch of uh, big black bouncers and starts throwing around the N word. And now all of a sudden he's on the hot seat. He is now the Paula Dean of the National Football League. He took a four-day uh, absence from the team for sensitivity training. <laughs> a sabbatical, if you will. Now, <laughs> here's... <laughs> the old sabbatical. <laughs> a race-themed cruise. A racist-themed cruise is what he was on. <laughs> That's what they send people on when they suspend them yeah. for racist yeah, things, Yeah, right? it's like, yeah. You're going it, sabbatical. It's, they call it the, uh, Caucasian Carnival. <laughs> See, I kind of thought, uh, I'm probably wrong on this, I would guess, uh, to venture to guess that I am, but you could almost take the video of Riley Cooper and you could say, well, was he like, you know, he's this wide receiver in the NFL. Was he a white guy trying to act black when he said that? Or was he actually was racist? That's when he said what that? I thought. And th- that's the first thing I thought when I saw it was that, it didn't matter if the bouncers were black or white. He probably would have said the exact same thing. That's what I was kind of because like, this... wait, wait, wait. He would have said, called him, yeah, yeah the N word, perhaps. With, yeah, with the A. You know, it's like is, is Riley Cooper? You know, is he sagging his pants? Is he? You know, is he listening to rap music? Well, the thing is, is, is when you he was at a Kenny Chesney concert, so he likely wasn't. Kenny maybe Chesney. Maybe... That's Kenny Chesney. That's what it was. Perhaps Kenny Jeff. Chesney. I mean, you Big. know. Oh, maybe his girlfriend dragged him to this concert. You know, yeah, he didn't want to beat up. Well, I would, I would imagine whoever. if he's being drugged to a Kenny Chesney concert, 
his girlfriend would not be black. That's, well, yeah, but that's, that's racist, <laughs> Jeff. That's a racist. <laughs> no, no, that has to do with anything. That's straight up racist. Your inferences <laughs> are based on your own stereotypical mindset. I I didn't see. You know what's funny to me is that they go through this process of sending him on a sensitivity carnival Caucasian cruise. Well, oh, he's a changed man. Yeah, and no longer racist. I just was thinking it's about like the gay to straight camps. You know. I was thinking about his. We're gonna teammates. pray that gay away. <laughs> yeah, that's what they do for pray racist away the thing, racism. Man. You will no longer say those horrible things. <laughs> Maybe they made him watch Django Unchained a bunch of times. Great movie. This is such a joke. I mean, when you are in, in the NFL and you are one of the only white guys on a team, right? And the way that these NFL guys talk, right? I mean, they're dropping N-bombs every other second, right? They're probably calling him cracker more. He probably doesn't even call the other guys the N-word, right? Haven't been on the field. Can't I'm just saying. Me. I'm just saying. That's probably – it's just just a joke. I, I find it to be utterly ridiculous. And what's funny is that the people that are most offended by this are white people. Of course. And the NFL has a large base of white people. It's what like, Bill Burr would refer to as white guilt. White guilt. He did not invent that term, but yes, Bill Burr might use that. Right. Yeah. I'm sure of course he did. He, yeah. He did so it's the just, internet. That, that's the first thing we're just like, this is ridiculous. Like, so the guy said this, didn't, he didn't say it like, I'm going to, you know, lynch you, whatever. Like, he was like, I don't care. Is he even that good of a wide receiver? Well, the funny part would have been if he actually would have fought the bouncers because I think as we all know, when you're typically inebriated, I mean, bouncers can beat the crap out of you regardless. But even when you're inebriated, it would have been better video had they let him climb the fence or whatever and then watched him get destroyed by these guys. Then it would have been Eagles wide receiver gets the shit beat out of him at Kenny Chesney concert, and that would have been, frankly, much better video. I agree. Could have made world star well, hip hop. Could have been all over YouTube, <clears throat> and that thing would have gone well, viral. So this is a, this is the thing, you know. I mean, it's within the. Con- I mean, listen, I I I don't really don't care. I moved on from this whole si- this situation, and I'm sure his you moved on. I, yeah, yeah. Well, no, I'm sure his his racist sabbatical <laughs> cured him, and uh, now he will be you know like a zombie, like the gay to straight thing, but. The context of the situation you, is interesting. Are you saying that, that, that the NFL is, is is keeping his racism down so he can't be who he is? This could be likely. <laughs> um, but but the, the context of the situation is absurd considering he's doing it to a bunch of uh, – like a small group of black bouncers at a country concert. At a Tony Chatwood concert. <laughs> Kenny Jersey Tyler. Concert. Chatwood. Tyler Chatwood. Jimmy Chitwood. A, a Jimmy Chitwood concert. Faith Underwood. Faith Underwood, yeah. And, 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 uh, where they, he's surrounded, they, these black bouncers are surrounded by, let's face it, probably not very many minorities. Bunch of ghost faces. Somebody should have people. said, hey, <laughs> hey, Riley Cooper, this is the Brothers of the Sun tour, not the Brothers of the Sun tour. <laughs> I still think it would have been a good video just to have him get the crappy dad. I agree. All right. Yeah, go ahead. But Riley Cooper, shame on you. I'm glad you're uh, yes. rehabilitated. The, the, the sabbatical, I'm hope, I hope, helped. August 6, <laughs> 2013 from the Associated Press. Drugs found on Sons Beasley during arrest. Yeah. yeah. He was arrested in Scottsdale for finding uh, – they found three cigarettes suspected to contain marijuana. 
Marijuana cigarettes? And this was the young man who vowed a year ago that his marijuana problems were in the past. What's up with that, Beasley? Who are you trying to play the fool here? Huh? Marijuana addict? It's only a problem if he's losing, though, right? Jeez. Oh, that's gambling. Three cigarettes found in his car. Uh, this is upsetting to me. And not because Beasley was caught with weed. It's because this is like, come on. You know, here's the here's the the joke to relate it to Colorado because everybody wants to say, well, if he was in Colorado, it's lead, weed's legal, right, or whatever. But really, you know, people say, well, if you're an athlete, you still it's still against NBA policy to smoke marijuana. It is. But no, it's not. Yeah, it's not really right. It's not against policy. They're allowed to smoke pot. Well, it is. They can't be suspended for it. No, yes. I, they can. Yeah, they can get suspended for finding THC in their uh, urine samples. Yeah, but they only get tested four times a year and whatever, whatever. But I'm saying roughly six to eight weeks notice. Yeah, but the thing in in Colorado would be that the cops wouldn't be looking for it, right? So they wouldn't, even if they smelled it or whatever, they may not search you for it or something. Well, I guess if it was in his car, it's probably. But but here's the thing: is that was, and here's why I don't like it: is one because first of all, you can smoke pot and not be a danger to society, even if you're driving around your car. I, I don't believe that. Unless he's doing like massive quantities of pot and he's totally jacked, right? Like a Cheech and Chong movie? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the guy is probably driving around in a very nice car. Maserati. Was, was a, a, yeah, it was like a – Maybe an Audi. Like – Station wagon. Come on, man. Like Shagging wagon. And now this becomes – VW and, and, van. And what I really hated about this article was that it started out with – Beasley, who vowed a year ago when he signed with the Suns, vowed that his marijuana problems were in the past. Yeah. And now he has stabbed, he has betrayed the Phoenix Suns fans. He is, he's broken our hearts. Well, you know what? I mean, piss off. Like, what a piece of, like, what a waste of time this is. So you're saying that is, uh, that is Beasley the most upsetting line in the article <laughs> it's just it's like what this is my my headlines are based on injustice well the other thing too is the phoenix fans are going to be upset because they needed beasley to play next year preferably 40 minutes a game because they're trying to get andrew wiggins and beasley as everybody knows is a terrible basketball player so the more he's on the floor the more phoenix is going to lose thus their chances of getting andrew wiggins are going to skyrocket by him being suspended that's going to make the team better Thus, perhaps putting them out of the sweepstakes for Andrew Wiggins, thus upsetting the fan base. I hear you. This is, I understand. This is, this is concerning. For I like how you involved. spun that around to bring sports into it. Thank you. It's, my, it's my talent. You're very clever. <laughs> August 6th. August 6th? August 6th. 2013th. <laughs> From USA Today by George Schroeder. Examining Schroeder. Oh, look at that! (laughs) Was it Schroeder? 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 German? Schroeder? Like James Schroeder? The Steins, the Steins, George Schroeder. (laughs) Examining Johnny Manziel's hold on the Heisman Trophy. Now, uh, I don't know if you guys heard about this. It hasn't made you know. It's not really big news, but Johnny Manziel, (laughs) Heisman Trophy winner of uh, the 2012 season. Was, uh, recently, according to a report by ESPN. Yeah. Have you, oh, you did. Now it's ringing a bell. Yeah. Johnny Manziel, quarterback, Texas A&M. Alleged to have signed autographs and memorabilia for a Florida autograph dealer for a five figure flat fee. And this was, uh, sometime back in January. 
Now, again with this, we talked about it last week. We yeah. talked about this notion, this inclination out there that when somebody reaches to the top, there is this insatiable desire to bring them back down, to take them down a peg or two. Tiger Woods, Kobe Bryant, Johnny Manziel. Not Kobe. He deserves it. But everybody LeBron else James. you just said. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny Manziel did not rape somebody. Okay. Very true. But like, but the NCAA, um, granted, it is a little peculiar that Johnny Manziel would like feel like he needed to, this is, feel like he needed to sign five autographs for a five figure, uh, compensation, which is up to $10,000, right? It could be anywhere from 5,000 or, or whatever it is to, you know, it's not six figures. It's but it was like, like $7,500. 7500 bucks. I don't know why he needs that. We had spoken last week. This guy comes from Wealthy, some anyway. sort of opulent background, maybe not the richest kid in school, maybe not a blue-blooded old money guy, but he's got some money. And, and so maybe he took this opportunity to get some cash in his pocket. Maybe he has poor judgment. But I, I don't understand. This is him signing something. And getting paid for it. They don't let these NCAA players get paid for anything. They couldn't even work at McDonald's if they wanted to. They couldn't do it. They can't get a part-time job. They can't take money from anybody. How are these guys supposed to pay their bills and play sports in the NCAA? It's ridiculous. It is un-American. You should be allowed to work as a free man or woman in this country if you are qualified to do it. And I don't understand why this policy has not been struck down as unconstitutional. How can they say that? How can you say you can't work? Is there some kind of policy where they can work like a job and make up to so much money or something like that? Well, or you're is that allowed, lower divisions? What you're allowed to do is you're allowed to work for a company like the NCAA or a school and not get paid at all. You're allowed to generate millions and millions and millions of dollars for somebody else, but you can't take any of it because somehow that uh, screws up the whole sanctity of competition in amateur sports, which it does not. I was going to say, I had a buddy that played like at a small school in Iowa, and he would they'd have jobs where they would supposedly go to a car dealership and wash cars, and they were going to be paid like 200 bucks or something. And he would go, and they would give him like 500 bucks and be like, there you go, see ya. And he'd be like, what? Well, this was like a really small time school. Well, so I, that, that, well, I can imagine thing. what guys yeah. like Manziel or whatever, what well, kind of temptation. No, yeah, well, they literally, uh, he, he won the freaking Heisman Trophy last year. His, his, his name, the value of his signature is way up there just because he won the Heisman Trophy. And <clears throat> what is interesting about it is, you know, through all this hypocrisy, which is what it is, this hypocrisy that the NBA, NCAA has, the greatest part about it today was Jay Billis, the um, basketball uh, um, analyst for ESPN. Not, um, not familiar with him, but go ahead. <laughs> he uh, tweets out phrase high motor upside. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he tweeted out some pic- pictures of the NCAA profiting on the at their store from Johnny Manziel's jersey. Was it Using Johnny Manziel? No, it wasn't no, it Johnny was. Manziel's jersey. It was a jersey of the quarterback <laughs> of Texas A&M. It could be any guy. It could never be played anyone out there. Never played any position. It's and he it's pointed ridiculous. out the utter hypocrisy of it, and the and and, media, and like later in the day, the NCAA took it down. They took down that entire part of the website. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I did hear something about that. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's it's just interesting how it, it's just. And I, now you have like uh, Texas A&M is going to use. 
the same lawyer that like Cam Newton used when he deflected all the blame to his dad and now supposedly Manziel is going to try to deflect blame to his friend for his friend was the one collecting this money or something because there's video of him signing these autographs or something like that. Well, it, it, it's absurd that they even have to do that, that they have to go through this uh, legal maneuvering in order to uh, – you know, it's it's like – think well, about Reggie Bush, right? Did Reggie Bush not earn the Heisman Trophy? Did what he was supposedly um, nominated for and what they voted for, does that change because he took money from these people? No, it doesn't. And and there's all this and, – and there's like – it's not like he was A-Rod who has reached heights by supposedly cheating. That's not cheating. That doesn't change your accomplishments on the field. And so I just – I don't understand it and I don't understand why – People in the country, like people in this country, people in the NCAA choose to single out college students. The guys, they get all of the benefit from their hard work. They get all the benefit. They get to win this award. Reggie Bush did so much for the NCAA. Same with Johnny Manziel. Yet when it's all said and done, they can be like, well, actually, he uh, violated the sanctity of the amateur. It, it's just- <laughs> well, they, do have, they need to figure out a way to give these guys – Money to live off while they're in school because, yeah, like Jeff was saying, like you're saying, these guys are making millions of millions of dollars for the university. But the thing is, you can't have teams like USC going out there and buying the best teams. Of that's no. the problem where you get with Reggie Bush is would he have gone to USC had they not been promising him whatever they were promising, free room and board stuff for his parents. You can't have guys basing their decisions to go to a school based off who's going to give them the most money. No. But, but that's been happening since the beginning you're or right. since the yeah. 80s. But there is an alternative. Blue chips. And going to play college football or going to college in general is a choice that a certain individual can make. And they can say, I can go to college and I can go and earn nothing but get an education. Or I can go play pro. But – they have colluded with these uh, major leagues, and they have said, actually, no, you can't. You can't play no, pro. you can't even come play pro. You are good enough to come play and earn millions of dollars, but we won't let you. And I don't know why that's not ageism, why that doesn't violate uh, you know, the laws in our country. I don't understand why that exists, why it can't exist. Maurice Claret, I believe, had a big court case where he was trying to say that back in the day. He lost it. Say what you want about Maurice Claret, but if you're an able-bodied uh, person – and you're of the age of 18, you should be able to work and earn a living. And by having uh, a, a systemic and, and uh, uh, it's essentially a, a system that says, no, we are going to discriminate against you because of your age or because of, of whatever. And I understand that some companies can say, you know what, you have to have a college degree or you have to have two de- you know, years of college in order to come in. But But the fact that they are colluding with each other in order to keep funneling these guys in to get all this money out of them when they have uh, are getting nothing in return. Think about yeah, the guys have- that spend four years in college and get injured in their senior year. Right. And so a guy, you know, if you think about a guy going uh, four years in college playing in the NCAA and then gets hurt his senior year, he doesn't get the benefit of going and, and playing pro. You know, we're talking about a pro prospect. And people say, well, it's the uh, education is worth it. The education is what they get paid for. But I'm sorry, that's not the same thing. So I, I just I just have problems with the way the NCAA does it. And the other thing I, I have a problem with is just the way that the media is, is crucifying this guy. Think of every possible way to think of a way like 
to uh, bring him down. Like he's Lindsay Lohan or something. Like, oh my God, let's watch this train wreck happen in yeah. real time. But, but and I feel not- like they can kind of go after him too, I think, because he isn't like a, you know, he is a, almost an affluent kid that's, you know, having a little fun, sitting courtside at games, going to parties, doing all this crazy stuff. But he's a bro. When you kind of get back to the whole, <laughs> yeah, when you get back to the whole college thing too, like, you know, people will make the argument, well, these guys are getting a free education, right? Like, isn't that enough? Well, not really. I mean, if your family, not in Manziel's case, but in a lot of other cases, like, you know, Jeff got into last week, there's guys that can't afford to, you know, go out to dinner, to even go to the cafeteria to get dinner and stuff. I mean, there has to be something on top of whatever small stipend they get plus their tuition that's going to allow these guys to make some sort of income while they're going to school because, like when I went to school, I could work two or three different jobs and I could make all sorts of money, especially over the summer, right? I mean, the summer, that's when you made all your money. And your yeah. schedule as a non-student athlete is a hell of a lot easier to handle than a guy who is in the gym three hours in the morning at practice in the afternoons, in right. film yeah. sessions, Absolutely. you know, uh, in, in between classes. So, um, and, and so the question is then, and, and you had brought this up, can, can we have universities out there who are recruiting and almost signing contracts with these guys that are related to compensation. And what I say is, why the hell not? Um, it, why can't a university be allocated scholarship funds, but they can't be allocated uh, salary or something along those lines? You have a guy who grows up in South Central Los Angeles who is a supreme talent, and his family is on food stamps or maybe it's – um, some other sort of maybe they're in dire straits and this guy has million dollar talent yet because of the collusion between the NCAA and the NFL and the same with the NBA and the NCAA they can't go out and make a living so their family starves while they're off getting an education why can't they why can't there be a policy that says you know what we have this many scholarships to give out and we have this much money to give out Shouldn't every, shouldn't every school get the same amount though? So it's not well, like, well, Notre Dame's offering me 30,000 a year, but USC's offering me 45,000. Well, okay, but it but, could be. It could be exactly like that, right? Yeah. I mean, like, like what you're saying, every school could have the same amount of money to give out in addition to the scholarships. Well, I mean, the, the SC, let's, 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 you know, be frank here. The SEC, hush, hush. Basically pays their athletes anyway and has for years. This is why they have an enormous recruiting advantage down there. And the SEC in itself is almost like its own entity, a separate and apart from the NCAA. So, you know, it makes you, it makes you wonder, like I said, like, well, if this is going on under the table, like, oh, we don't know about it, but we really do know about what's going on, then just make it public, make it legal. Just it's, do what you're doing there and make it apply to everyone. It's the same philosophy that goes behind um, we spend all this money and all this time enforcing marijuana as an illegal drug. Yeah. And what's this guy? Beasley. Michael Beasley. Beasley's Beasley. out getting busted, who is a seemingly innocuous guy as opposed – you know, he's not like out – you know, raping and pillaging, right? He's just smoking a little weed on his, you know, during the off season and he gets busted for it. And we spend all this time and energy enforcing these ludicrous laws. Why? Because they're laws and because they exist. And so let's just keep, you know, continuing that. Well, there's money out there for these kids. Let, why, why continue to go, like you say, Jeff, why continue to go along with this charade that these guys aren't getting paid? And that's what it is. And let's also try and say, you know what? 
These guys deserve it. They yeah. deserve the money that they're, you know, at least, a, you know, something. I mean, they're it's generating like, billions of dollars for the NCAA. Yes. Billions of dollars. I mean, massive, what, massive amount of money. For whether it's guys. Reggie Bush taking a, you know, $50,000 payoff or whatever it was, or it's Chris Weber getting mm-hmm. a, a couple hundred grand, or whether it's <laughs> yeah, Johnny. A couple hundred grand. Well, what, you know what? Hey, that's a drop in the bucket. Yeah, you for know, how much money he made at the University of Michigan. Oh, yeah, they're oh, still yeah. selling Weber jerseys. Yep. Right? Um, and, or it's Johnny Manziel taking 7500 bucks. There is enough money there considering how much they actually have to pay these guys on the side, so to speak. Yeah. You know, there's enough money there. It exists. If somebody's willing to pay it, then let let it let it happen. He should and, be able to profit yeah, from sorry. his own name. I mean, it, he should – I mean, it's your name. The MTA double, the NCAA does not own your name. Your name is my name. And not every name. And yeah, and it's not going to be available for every NCAA (laughs) athlete because if you are the starting pitcher for the Ball State softball team, you you know, nobody's going to be throwing you Escalades and $50,000 checks, right? Right. It's not, it's not available. You're going to be getting free knee pads. (laughs) But, (laughs) But even like we're seeing with, isn't it Missy Franklin? You know, yeah, it, Missy Franklin is one of those She's not able people. to make a dime right now, and it's a like a dime, a dime. This is her think of prime. The, think of the millions of dollars that she has generated. Okay, or billions could, for NBC, for the Olympics, for oh, everything. Yeah. She could be rolling in endorsements. Right yes, now, rolling in them. And and it and it's so crazy to think that because she was in high school, and maybe she wants to go to college, she couldn't go be on the. You know, a Wheaties box. But you can't wear skull candy headphones like Michael yeah. Phelps, you know, or something it's like that. absurd. I mean, it's so absurd. And it's like, granted, Missy Franklin probably doesn't give a shit, right? But you know what? Yeah, she's she's not it, Reggie Bush, right? How does it work when a guy like Joel Klatt goes and plays minor league baseball and then goes back to CU and plays football? That's a weird thing. I, I haven't, I haven't really understood that. Yeah. Like, was he not being paid to pay my, to play minor league baseball? I don't know. Yeah. That's an interesting point. You know, I don't and, understand and, you know, that. And, and never got that. Klatt was one of those guys that, you know, wasn't good at either. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff's joke. <laughs> <laughs> You're a CU fan too, Jeff. Come on. Like, yeah, that's my school, but you know, it's, it's still. I he mean, was pretty damn good. He was, uh, yeah, he was good. He, he was pretty damn good. It's, that's just my thing. All those concussions. I'm not, he, yeah, he can't remember them anyway, but. Uh, <laughs> Chris Wanky. Yeah, right? Chris Florida Wanky. State, right? Yeah. yeah. Another guy. You know, uh, there was a quarterback that uh, went to Grand Junction High School. I mean, it was a quarterback for the Colorado State Rams. I believe <laughs> well, this guy seems to be a, a, a household name, I can tell. Yeah. Bill Musgrave. <laughs> he was, oh, uh, Bill Musgrave. He's an NFL coach, I think. Yeah, he's somewhere. an NFL coach now, and he was uh, or he was to Grand Junction High School. I, I did know him, and uh, he didn't remember vast portions of his, his career either because of all the concussions. And the booze. All right, guys, so pay these college guys what we're saying. Well, what, and, and you know what? Also, don't crucify these kids. At the very least, I mean, if you're gonna, if you're gonna say you have this policy, then you have to look the other way for certain things. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you have to, because the policies are absolutely anti-American and sports. Anti-capitalism. Or n- not even capitalism, but like sports are supposed to be. Amendment what number is, seven. What is freedom of money making. Especially football That's and basketball are two very American sports. Yeah. yeah. They represent an opportunity for a lot of people to make something of their lives when they otherwise wouldn't be going to MIT and being, you know, think about, uh, Mark Zuckerberg, right? Guy was making money. Was, hand was over he, fist. was, yeah, was he, uh, 
Is that his name? Mark Zuckerberg? That's yeah. right. Facebook guy. Was he, uh, <laughs> bound by some ludicrous NCAA regulation that he couldn't go off and start Facebook? Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's true. He, he had the ability to leave when, leave Harvard when he was 19 or 20 years old to go out and start a business. Well, you know what it is? It's this and, ludicrous notion of amateur athletics, quote unquote, which is like, why are you trying to keep people amateur when you're, they're calling it amateur athletics when they're giving them a scholarship? You know, it's you're like already it, it, being paid. you're already being paid. So it's like stop with this ludicrous notion of amateur athletics and just do what's right. And All if right, it's Ross, not, but, but, and if it's not sports, if it's math or it's science or anything else, then these kids who have the ability to go off and turn pro, so to speak, are celebrated yeah. if they go out and get money as opposed to athletes who are vilified for doing it. And it's a stupid, it's a double standard that is dumb because it still generates a lot of money and they still have a lot of talent. Now, the last headline, it's not actually a headline, but we all know the NFL, the Pro Football Hall of Fame had their induction ceremony this weekend. Uh, Larry Allen, Chris Carter, Jonathan Ogden, Bill Parcells, and Warren Sapp were all inducted into the NFL or the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, there were a couple senior guys who I've never heard of, Curly Culp and Dave Robinson. You know if your name is Curly. <laughs> he played black in the back of the black and white TV <laughs> Curly Culp. You, uh, you haven't played in recent memory. Although uh, uh, I, I'm thinking if I, have, if I have kids, you know, in the next year or two, I'm name one of them Curly, maybe. There you go. Curly but, Mark. Uh, but, you, you know, the reason why I bring this up is usually I have I have a bone to pick with the inductees. Because I can sit there and I can say, this some bitch wasn't as good as Mecklenburg. This some bitch wasn't as good as Gratishar or whoever it was. Actually, it was Gratishar in now? No, I don't no. think so. One of them was. Regardless. <laughs> or I got to say, like, well, what about Rod Smith? What about the Broncos? This year, I have to say, no complaints, all these guys well-deserved. Read it again, a little slow. Uh, Larry Allen, Chris Cowboys Carter. Cowboys lineman, Chris Carter, wide receiver. Jonathan Ogden, Bill Parcells. Warren Sapp. And they all are well deserved of this. And, and, and the funny, it like Jonathan Ogden just was playing, doesn't it? Well, it does, that is the it? interesting thing, right? And, and he was the only guy in this who played his entire career for one team. Yeah, when you look at all these yeah. guys, that's always like Vikings, Cowboys, Redskins, uh, Bill Parcells has been on like eight teams. What else was Chris Carter and Larry uh, Allen? Chris Carter was on three different teams. He um, was? Man. Uh, Chris Carter, probably most known for the Vikings. The Vikings, But, yeah. uh, yeah, he also played for a couple other teams as well. And I thought that's very interesting because the way I remembered it was that a guy was inducted into the Hall of Fame as a player of a single team. And when I looked it up today, it looked like they were inducted as a player on them, on their own right. And then the other teams, the, all the teams they played for were kind of attached to it somehow. Yeah, I think so they choose like, like something with their bus to like wear. Yeah, so, yeah. So it's not like uh, it's not like a uh, the the baseball Hall of Fame where you like have to choose the team. I, I wasn't sure. That's what I thought it was for the or pro football as well. I didn't but know that. but like it looked, it appeared to be different. This baseball, year. the bus is in the hat, right? So yeah. that you have to have you have to wear you have the to hat. choose the hat. Yeah. And in football, they do just your so face, like, and there's not a helmet on the like face. Like Reggie yeah. Jackson went in as a Yankee for some reason, even though he was better as an Oakland Athletic, but whatever. Well, but, well, the thing is, is I think Carl Mecklenburg is one guy, a Denver Bronco, who absolutely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame on his yeah. own merit. But then when you look at other guys that have been inducted over the years, you say, well, he even deserves it even more because compared to those guys, he had a much better career. 
Um, and I thought it was interesting that all these guys who were inducted played for multiple teams. Carl Mecklenburg, one team. Does that detriment, is that detrimental because he doesn't have three media people from three different cities lobbying for him in order to get in? Probably. With the NFL, yeah, because it, it um, Jeff Legwald, who is the voter for the Hall of Fame for the, the, the Denver. For Denver Post, yeah. Is he yeah. still? Cause he's with ESPN now? I don't know if he does now. That's a good question. I, I, he, he, he probably gets three votes now. He's <laughs> always, yeah, three. No, he's always said that it's, it's like, you have to lobby, 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 you know, be, it's a political outfit there that the, you know, and then the Broncos, it is, it is. the Broncos finally got three, what, three in now? Three or four? Elway, Sharp, Sharp got in, right? Yeah. Zimmerman, Zimmerman and Floyd, Floyd Little. Little. Floyd Little is the guy I was thinking of, yeah. So yeah. four. Chris Carter, three years with the Eagles to start his career, one season with the Dolphins to end his career. And then the Vikings, yeah. Vikings for So the most of the it was the, with the Vikings. Well, you would think if he goes in as from a team, it would Vikings be the Vikings. 1990 to 2001, so. 11 years, okay. And I tell you, I tried so hard today to think of, try and find reasons why Jonathan Ogden did not deserve to be in because he's from Baltimore. And yeah. I hate the Ravens. Yeah, me too. But <laughs> he's a he was a he was a damn good offense. And it was player. also nice because he's an offensive lineman. Yeah, you know, there's not a lot of offensive linemen that are considered for this type of stuff because they're st- they don't have the statistics, they don't have the glory, right? But uh, he absolutely well deserved, well deserved. I, I just looked at it and I was like, oh, this they got it right this year. Even if Mecklenburg didn't get in, and it just goes to show you that there are a lot of guys that might be deserving, and you have to cut it off somewhere. And maybe Mecklenburg will get in at some point. Maybe he'll be one of the senior <laughs> inductees in like 30 years when everybody's like, I don't even know who Carl, Carl Mecklenburg, Mecklenburg is, but I remember who he is and Did I love him. Rod Smith in yet? No, he's not in. And, and I actually compared him to Chris Carter's statistics because I was trying to think of a way to get to, Carter out. Yeah, just to like <laughs> ridicule this, but Carter had one hell of a career. I gotta say, it is a little disturbing to see Julius Thomas, the Broncos tight end right now, wearing number 80. It always trips me out when I'm like, 80? That's Rod Smith's that's number. Rod Smith's number. Like, that's I, one that the Broncos wait, they, should think about retiring. Also, I don't know about that. I, I, I think people are, I think teams are too, uh, liberal with their retirement. Cause he is in the ring of fame, so you do get to see it up. In the stadium, number yeah. 80, right? The retiring of numbers thing, I think, needs to be reined in a little bit. I, I feel like the, that should be the that should be almost more important than being in the Hall of Fame. So you weren't thinking number 80 is Mark Jackson's number, therefore? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And, and I did think, think of that with Rod Smith in his early part of his career. I was yeah, like, was yeah, that's Mark, Mark Jackson's, Jackson's number. number. 84's, uh, 84 was Ricky Nateel before Shannon Sharp had it. And you know, but it's it's one of those it's one of those things that you know, yeah, you're you're right. Yeah, sometimes the number thing and Ross, you made a good point here. The number thing gets a little. Re- I mean, like retiring Ray Bork's number. I mean, come on. Yeah, that was crazy. That's weird. But in hockey, you could wear <laughs> one to ninety nine, right? So it's. Yeah. I mean, football is the same, but hockey smaller roster, so you may not much, run into much it. Smaller. I mean, Football, you need the numbers because yeah, you, you yeah, can't have like, guys wearing one hundred and one at some point. Right? Yeah, dumb Bronco <laughs> fans like myself might want to retire every single uh, jersey from the ninety eight ninety nine seasons, right? Ninety seven and ninety eight seasons. I mean, I do think of Rod Smith though as being like. The receiver of the Broncos, but I don't know. I mean, yeah. he does own some numbers. He was, he was great. Uh, I think he deserves the Hall of Fame, frankly, but I, I don't know, like. If you're gonna put him in the, the Hall re- of Fame, you gotta retire that number. No, no, no. I think retiring <laughs> of the number is a higher honor. Yeah. I do, I think it's so. It's a higher too. honor yeah. than being in the Hall of Fame. Have we discussed on here the Broncos retired numbers? It's Jackie Robinson, uh, 
John Elway. <laughs> uh, you actually, Peyton Manning had to ask Kelly or not Trapuca. Kelly, Frank Trapuca, Frank Trapuca, Frank Trapuca yeah. who is the Broncos' first quarterback, Kelly Trapuca's dad. Yeah, which is kind of ironic. Kelly right? Trapuca's dad. Yeah. You can uh, you can uh, you can retire it, but uh, I could give it back to you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's retired. No problem, Peyton. Oh, no problem. Uh, yeah. So that's it for headlines, everybody. Very well, very excellent, best headlines yet, as far as I'm concerned. Oh, well, you know what? Thank you. I appreciate that. They get better every week, which means every week, the best headlines that ever happened. There we go. There you go. All right. That's headlines. All right, guys. We got to talk a little Denver Broncos football. We're going to be seeing. What? Broncos football, baby. We got the first preseason game coming up here. It's this week. If you listen to the podcast, it might be tonight. It could very well be this evening. I hate preseason football. It is the worst. I hate it. But I will say, I, uh, happened to notice the other, it was, uh, Sunday night, I guess it was. I was sitting at home. I was, uh, trying to watch, um, Game of Thrones. Mm, but something has happened with, uh, a, a, a service provider. I won't mention them because they're a sponsor. <laughs> See you guys can figure it out. <laughs> but it was down, man. It was down. I couldn't get it. And so then I was like waiting, like resetting the, the Roku device, which you can buy on Amazon. Just, you know, blah, blah, blah. Click through the car sports guys. Anyway, I was checking Twitter and they started, somebody had, uh, tweeted me about Kyle Orton. Uh, Kyle yeah. Orton was playing and I was like, what the shit? Kyle Orton? Like there's, who? <laughs> nobody told me football was on. And then I just turned it on for a brief moment and, and I was, as much as I hated, I hate, I, hate preseason sports in general. Um, not just that it's meaningless, but the way it's presented as this is the start of football. This is the beginning of it. And now let's all watch game, it. Yeah. And, and I just had it up there on the screen for a little bit. And it was Chris Collinsworth. And I don't know. Was it Al Michaels? Maybe it was, Al Michaels. it was like Sunday night football. And they had just seeing like, just seeing the, ticker at the bottom or whatever that is and just hearing the the sounds and the sights and it just was like ah oh, football really does mean a lot to me and then five minutes later i was like screw this, this <laughs> i turned it off <laughs> because i can't stand preseason football and then i was like oh when, when did the broncos start and it starts thursday night against the niners but i will not watch it actually i might Don't watch it. i might watch it for like two minutes but i i, I can't it's the biggest Tease ever and not in a good way. I don't like the preseason blue balls. Did you notice at all the Dolphins uniforms? Did they look different to you in any fashion? I did not notice that. Okay. No. So that new uh, logo and color scheme didn't work too well for them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I listening that was the Dolphins? Yeah, <laughs> on the way over here I was listening to Bill Burr's podcast and he mentioned something about the Dolphins uniforms and then he mentioned, since he's a Boston guy, how much he hates the Patriots uniforms and he's ever since they changed them, he's like, they're the ugliest ones in the NFL. And I was like, you know, he's totally right. Because they'll wear those throwbacks, and the throwbacks are amazing. Same with, with the, the Broncos. The are you talking about the dude, the, the, the dude hiking the football in the helmet and the red uniforms that they used to have? Yeah, and they'll wear those as throwbacks like once a year, and it's like, yeah. those are awesome. They should wear those all the time. They're new ones. He called the, the logo on the helmet a flying Elvis, which I thought was kind of funny. I was like, yeah. Well, it, it resembles the Broncos um, logo, which I, I'm not a fan of. I liked it when it came out, but that was when I was – an idiot. I was, that was when I was a seventeen, kid. eighteen years old. <laughs> yeah. Um, and granted, they that that you know you could have a correlation between the new uniform and the Super Bowl wins because we never won that with the orange. Nah, and, but but now that I you know am older and I have better taste, 
the old uniforms are much, much better. The Every old time D I play Madden, much, much better. Whenever I play Madden football, I wear those, the old throwbacks, the Royal Blue, I, the I old D them. helmet. I miss, I miss the D. I, you know, the D. <laughs> <laughs> ah. Pushing that agenda. <laughs> oh, couldn't have planned that any better. <laughs> Don't worry, Jeff. There's a special person, a special someone out there for everybody. <laughs> oh, that was classic. I, I love the D too. I love, I love the sight of the D. I love the smell of the D. I love the taste of the D. Oh, I was sad when they took the D away. <laughs> <laughs> that was completely unintentional. <laughs> oh my god, that was good. It's good. They, uh, anyway, yes, Doctor Freud. <laughs> yes, I, mean, I missed. The team. I totally um, missed. The but, no, but, but anyway, no, no. It, those uniforms are like represent. Your, but but the, what happens is it represents your childhood. So you like remember fondly. I mean, listen. You know, the Broncos may have got blown blown out in these Super Bowls, but I fondly remember that time. As a as a kid, you know, even though John Elway pushed, but me now down too though, too. like with better technology, they look better in the old colors with the new technology of the new jerseys, the new helmets. Like the old equipment didn't look quite as cool as if you go back and watch YouTube of the old footage. It doesn't look as great as you it remember. Looks clumsy. Yeah, it does look a little clumsy. Well, the, yeah, but now, yeah. if they wore it as like a throwback, I guarantee it would just look amazing. Well, that's the thing, and 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 one thing you can know is that professional sports. Specifically football, and in a lot of cases, the NBA, that's not where you go for the highest level of design and, and, and graphic design and, and, and style, frankly. Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, you, you look at your average Denver Broncos cap, it's like the worst thing you've ever seen, like, you've ever seen. It's but, tough to find good hats. But because they <laughs> have the Broncos on it, dumb people will buy it because, oh, it's the Broncos. How could it be bad? Well, I'm sorry, that sideline cap is Horrific, uh, you know, but it's true. They try to make it sleek. It's that like, like, you know, the Patriots, when you look at that, the, the elongated version of the helmet logo. Trying to make it look like they're running Broncos, fast. Yeah, it just, it doesn't look good. And compared to the old one, which is simple and it's traditional. And I love that, you know, as much as I despise the Cubs or the Yankees or the Red Sox, they have tradition built into their brand and their logo. Yeah. And you shouldn't have to update your logo in order to get more people to buy your your shit, right? Let's throw it all you, the way back. Yeah. Don't just give us the orange jerseys. We want all of it. We, yeah, that, we want bring back the D. And and yeah, and they should do that. Bring back the D. Bring it back. It would look awesome. Listen, though, what Nate's right saying is Nate saying is he doesn't want some of the D. He wants all the D. <laughs> we want it all. The old Denver Broncos. Yeah, back when the Broncos were getting blown with the with the D. Old uh, smoke coming out of the horse's nose. I mean, blown one. out. Blown out. <laughs> that would look sweet, though. Whatever. But So, okay, here's – I'm looking at reading preseason stuff, and you're reading about injuries and blah, blah, blah. Look, we still have a long time before the season starts. Like, I'm sure that Broncos are going to be fine, whatever. For the most part, you know, Orlando Franklin's going to be back. Ryan Clady, I'm sure, is going to be fine. We're going to patch up a center, whether it's Manny Ramirez or – Jeff remembered him? Ryan. Ryan Lilja. Ryan Lilja, Peyton Manning's old friend. He's got the salt and pepper George Clooney hair going. I'm sure that, uh, you know, he's going to be fine at center, but I was kind of getting a little bit bothered by reports of this Ronnie Hillman looks, you know, much improved, fantastic. Monte Ball 
looks like he's really struggling, and it's like, what do you mean he's really struggling? There hasn't even been a preseason game or a real live snap yet. Like, can we give this kid a little bit of time before we well, say he's struggling? If you're struggling in camp, you're, you know, that doesn't bode well for preseason or regular season. That's what frankly. they said about Tim Tebow, guy won ball games. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. You know, it's not foolproof, but it is some, there is something to be said. Definitely. I mean, it is summer camp. Yeah. I mean, you gotta learn the plays. You gotta, the most important thing for running back in this system is going to be picking up pass protection, right? Because the Broncos are going to throw the ball. They're going to run everything probably out of shotgun formation. You have to be able to read what Peyton's going to do. And if he can't, if you're not reading things properly, yeah, he's going to struggle mightily. But I mean, I think once he kind of gets more familiar, he's just a rookie. This he's only a couple weeks into this, and, and give him more time to learn the playbook. Yeah. And the other thing is, is that there has to be at every position there has to be winners and losers for the most part. If you're covering the Broncos in this city, right, and and people are interested in who's going to be starting, you have to say this guy is because he's showing this, right, and this guy is not because he's showing this. You can't come out there and say, oh, it could be either way. Everything yeah, looks this good. guy's looking good. That guy's looking good too. It could be this guy. It could be the other guy. I it's, don't know. It's a real either or proposition. You gotta come in with a position on every guy and it has to, it can't be, you can't be wavering, right? Right. So there's that element of, well, is it, is it, you know, this, is this accurate? Are we, are we getting an accurate report on how these guys are, how these guys are doing? And as a rookie, what can you expect? You know, especially, Two weeks in or three weeks in, what can you expect? I, I could see that. And you know what? As far as Monty Ball goes, Monte Ball, hey, you know what? If, if he's I've, – I've said this for a couple of years now. Running back position is – the success of that position is defined more on the system than it is on the individual. I believe that and I believe that's changing more and more towards yeah, but this, that. I mean, this guy still is a first-round pick. He was a big-time running back at Wisconsin where I'm sure they had – you know, a complex system that he had to learn there. This guy's still. I'm be, sure that whatever Wisconsin was running was almost exactly like Peyton Manning's <laughs> offense. Exactly. I'm sure. I'm sure they weren't I'm, running I'm sure just almost, straight drops. Even, I'm sure it's almost indiscernible. <laughs> exact same stuff. You know, I mean, I mean, this guy is still. I, I think that the Broncos Italian evaluators. Hopefully, they weren't drunk while they were evaluating him. But this guy's going to be good. Come on, yeah, I want to see him play. He could be fine. I know you you love the young guys coming in. Hey, where's Eric Green playing? France? Italy. <laughs> Italy. Siena. Come right. on. He's Sorry. gonna be great. <laughs> but but hey, but the thing is is like if 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 he doesn't work out, if, if some of the other guys don't I work mean, out. I mean Ronnie Hillman's still very Ronnie super Hillman. young and I love Ronnie yeah. Hillman. I and I, the last position I'm worried about is the running back position. Pick a guy, you know, even if all these guys go down with ACL tears next tomorrow. Bring in a running back. Well, Jeremiah Johnson. Football. <laughs> well, <laughs> my dude. Like the movie. Um, I used to say, I, I used to say, you just like him because he's white. <laughs> no, Ross, he, he's not white. Oh. So a black family named their kid after Robert Redford? Well, that's weird. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> um, football really truly is the next man up sport, though. I mean, you know, it's a, well, for the most part. I mean, it's every, every player is a dime a dozen in the NFL, but that's what they kind of trade on is that 
that ability to replace someone who gets down with it. But what's going to be interesting for me? Well, I mean, if you look at, but forget the running backs. (laughs) Yeah, the 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 the, the, going going back to the center position. That's the really the most important injury because it's directly related to Peyton Manning and that chemistry you have with your center, who is the quarterback of the offensive line, essentially is is the most important thing. And that is what concerns me more than anything else is that, you know, Fanny Ramirez, I, he wasn't exactly yeah, everybody's, fantastic last year. And everybody's been, him. Everybody's been saying that. Like everybody's been saying, you know, even from John Fox saying he was going to be the starter to media people saying that he looks much improved. It's like, yeah, much improved from like a, what, a D minus last year to a C this year. We need a freaking there's B a guy plus that, or an A. Yeah. There's a guy that got the D that didn't want it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I mean, but yeah, like you, Manny Ramirez, he he isn't going to improve from leaps and bounds, right? And like Ross said, watching this guy last year, you were terrified about what was going to happen but at the guard position. Again, Sandy Clough reminded me last week he wasn't playing center last year when I saw all those problems happen. Yeah, he's playing the more important position. Yes, right. but it, it's a lingering, <laughs> right? Which is not at. Yeah. He is not at the more important position this year. So they have demoted him in a way to a less a position that that could potentially be less devastating if he fails. But the center spot? Yes. What if he fumbles every snap? <laughs> yes. <laughs> we can hope that he won't do that, but I've always thought center is more important you, than guard. What if he was you're covering if you're covering if you're covering Peyton Manning's blind side, that is the most impo- important offensive line position on, you know, most important position on the offensive line. Well, Without question. But center, I mean, a guy coming up the gut's going to do major damage to Peyton's rib cage. Well, they, it's not the protection thing that you have to worry about with the center because it's with, with Peyton, you got to get used to his cadence. You got to do all that stuff, you know, and it's, it's, he's an unusual quarterback to, to get used to. And Ray Lewis didn't make his career going up against the, the center to get his sacks, right? I mean, that's not where he, chose to attack the offensive line. I think another guy that should be in the Hall of Fame eventually is Tom Nalen, who was a center on the Super Bowl teams and who I thought was maybe one of the best centers ever in the NFL. Regarded as one of the best offensive linemen ever. Yeah. I truly. mean, I think I, th- I, I think center is your most important position on the offensive line next to probably left tackle. But, I mean, I will be fine, right? Well, here's my question. It does seem like there have been an awful lot of injuries. Now, my question is this. Three part, three options here of, of what's actually happening. One, are these injuries not injuries? They're just guys getting hurt and uh, is the media locally and nationally blowing it out of proportion? Two, are these injuries real injuries, but it's no different than any other season? Or three, are the Broncos totally screwed because everybody's getting hurt? <laughs> that those are my three questions about this because I, I frankly, I don't go to the summer camp. I don't, I don't sit out, and, you know, weather the sun. I, I, I'm not. I'm care. I care about opening day against Baltimore. That's what I care about. I don't follow every single subtle nuance throughout the season. I don't cover the Broncos. Right. I'm a fan of the Broncos. So that's my question. 
are, are these under the spotlight because of all the hype surrounding and all the expectations surrounding it? I think that's a very real possibility right there. I mean, you look at the Broncos as being the Super Bowl favorites and you want every, every injury is going to be magnified because of that reason, right? No, oh, absolutely. Well, the way the, a good NFL team should be structured and reinforced is that any individual injury, no matter what position, except for maybe the quarterback, Except for maybe the quarterback, <laughs> although maybe, maybe although, Prater and maybe Matt Prater. Although, if you believe should, the reports, Brock Osweiler is looking really good out there. Hell yeah, he is. <laughs> and that's the other thing: is a team should be balanced, well-rounded. They should have when when all those moves that John Elway and the staff made during the offseason was meant to reinforce and improve the team, so they have a good starting core, but also they have good, competent guys to back them up. And if Manny Ramirez goes down or whether it's Dan Copen or whoever it is, can they recover from it? Maybe they're not 110%, but maybe they're 90 and that's good enough because every team out there has to suffer or, or has to uh, accommodate for these types of injuries. Yeah. And I don't follow the Patriots summer camp, but maybe they're seeing guys drop like flies too. Or maybe they're just limping off the field for a couple, and then they're icing it up for a couple of days, and they're coming back just fine. That's probably all it is, you know. I mean, Coppin was the only, or Copen, whatever the hell that guy's name is, he's the only guy that we've heard that's going to be out for the season, I think. So you know, these other guys are going to have some bumps and bruises along the way. Like Ross said, they're going to be there for the Ravens game. It's during the season where you start having to worry about, you know, is Demarius Thomas going to miss two or three games? Thing. Is Eric Decker going to miss games? Those are the guys that you really are going to be concerned about. Well, season, in, in, season, in season injuries are always worse because everyone gets injured in camp because it's, it's your, your starting contact again after spending. Yeah, you're giving spending, your body this I mean, the, tremendous shock. You know, right? NFL offseason is really long. So you're going to not be in the football quote unquote shape that you were before. And plus with the restrictions on many camps, um, in the new CBA, they they can't, they don't get the rigors of of that sort of structure. So obviously, every camp is going to have injuries. You know, not necessarily as catastrophic as Dan Copen's, but I mean, this is every camp's going to have injuries. You just got to weather through. And 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 the headline should be instead of you know whoever offensive lineman or whatever tight end gets hurt, it should be like. Fourth day of camp, Demarius Thomas, not hurt. Still good. <laughs> <laughs> I almost even feel like no I should knock on wood. Von Miller, <laughs> not hurt. You yeah. know what I mean? Like these are the guys that will, will, are the, you know, these are the guys that are irreplaceable. Champ Bailey, still plugging along. <laughs> Champ Bailey, uh, <laughs> not undead. We'll play forever. <laughs> we'll, we will all die before Champ Bailey stops playing. <laughs> Very true. But I am excited. I, and I will turn on the game Thursday night. I will be actually oh, yeah. at my bowling league Thursday night. Oh, oh, the holy rollers. And, uh, I will go ahead and, uh, turn or, or direct my attention towards the televisions, which I'm sure to have based on the number of, uh, jerseys. Uh, Bronco jerseys that have been at my entire bowling league this entire summer. I'm, I'm sure the TVs will have the Broncos game on it. And, uh, and I will direct my attention towards that a, a time or two to, uh, just. You will let your there. gaze wander. I will. What you're saying? I will. And I am excited. I'm so excited for the Broncos season. I'm so damn excited. Yeah, it's going to be good. All right, guys, let's take a short one. Come back with a little bit of something we like to call Jeff. Things he believes to be true.
I would be remiss to uh, allow Jeff to uh, continue with his segment if I didn't mention the fact that we have a partnership with Amazon.com, and you can buy all sorts of things. You can buy flag blankets. You can buy mountain bikes. You can buy bar stools. You can buy chairs. You can buy duffel bags. You can buy mixers, microphones, mic stands. You can buy all sorts of stuff at Amazon.com, and I encourage you to do it. But first, I want you to ColoradoSportsGuys.com and click the banner at the top of the page. Go there, get your three-month supply of ankle socks, click that banner. We'll get a little percentage of that every time you do it. And uh, if, you, if you're if you so inclined, go ahead and click the banner that gives you a free trial for Amazon Prime, which gets you free two-day shipping, all sorts of Amazon instant videos on demand, movies. You've got it. Amazon's a great place to spend your money. But first, click that banner at ColoradoSportsGuys.com. Thank you very much. We love you. And continue with the show. Now a little something we like to call Things Jeff Believes to be True. Watsky for you. I, I had a, I wrote an article, a blog post on coloradosportsguys.com. You can click on uh, www.coloradosportsguys.com and you can go to my blog post entitled The Rockies, Monfords. The slowest roll. <laughs> no, The Rockies, The Monfords. And the never-ending cycle. Oh, that, that was it. And which is essentially about, you know, which is all the, basically every never-ending cycle of every year of the disappointment. And the larger point of my article is basically my analysis saying, okay, it is, it is direct result of bad ownership. We gotta say know? one thing too. People always argue with the Rockies. Well, when was the last time the Nuggets went to the, you know, the NBA Finals? Because the Rockies have been to a World Series. The Rockies got absolutely lucky the season that they went to the World Series. They went on an epic run that has never been seen in baseball. The biggest fluke in the baseball history. So we're, we're taking people will take one blip to point to some success with the Rockies when in 20 years it's been garbage. For well, the most part, yeah. yeah for me. And, but, but really you can point to this kind of cycle of disappointment to, since when the, uh, Dick and Charlie Montfort took over the Rockies circa 2001 to 2003. And it's just, you know, it's just, they set the tone is the basically the point I've been making. It's kind of like the Nuggets in the 90s, which the tone was set by bad ownership or indifferent ownership. And I thought it was a fairly cogent article. And I, 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 I <laughs> Ironically, I pressed publish right at the same time, roughly, John Reedy of South Stand's Denver Fancast posted a strikingly similar 
uh, blog post about it. We guys totally. Mind meld, mind meld. Yeah, mind meld. Yeah, it was just like totally coincidental, but it just happened. <laughs> it's like the Denver Post and the Rocky Mountain News circa 2001. <laughs> Boom. It's a new era. <laughs> and, uh, did it make you feel like, oh, I'm not that original? No, no. I, I, I was, I was like completely, I'm glad someone else had the same thought. And, and more, and more so to me struck is just people once again being fed up with the product that they're having to watch at Coors Field. Essentially. I mean, People are now starting to to get to the point where they're not as content with this as they used to be. But and this is okay. And, but I, then I was inundated with a cavalcade, a veritable avalanche of reaction to my blog post from people who angry Rockies fans is what I would term them as. Nerds. Yes. And it was the nerd was, brigade. It was it was very like. It wasn't just anger, it was condescending anger. <laughs> you know, like, you know nothing about about what you speak. Well, kind clearly, of. Jeff. You can't even name two Colorado Rockies players off of this <laughs> roster. You can't talk about this team. Well, clearly they know that you are a uh, Nuggets writer. Yes. So, therefore, you are disqualified. I am. From any type of point of view or opinion on the Rockies. I, it's so not like you've it. watched them yeah, since 1993 or anything. It's not like you've followed the organization <laughs> quite closely as a, uh, you know, as a Rocky sports fan. fan. <laughs> and, you know, this is the thing. I, 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 every year I desire very much that the Rockies put a product on the field that it's like you point to and you say from the very beginning, you say, this team is special. This thing has something. They've never done it. And it's just been uh, just year after year of disappointment. And, Finally, you know, I, re- I reached the breaking point. I wrote an, a missive, uh, if you will, about this. And then I get hit with all this reaction. It's like really bad. At one, at one point, um, our articles were called crap. You know, both me and John Reedy. Yeah, I, I mean, do you think that... By R, you mean you, not me or, or Nate. R. Yeah, R, just you I don't want to. I don't, I don't want to include you in my <laughs> crap cavalcade here. Thank it's, you. It's I appreciate that. And, uh, but do you think that there's a, do you think that there's a, a level of feeling now amongst some that follow the Rockies closely that they can't talk about ownership anymore because they know that the ownership sucks, so they try to block that out of their memory and they're just trying to focus on what the team can do? But you can't do that because at the same time, it's the ownership group that, like you said in the article, is cutting the team off at the knees. It, it is, it is. Everything stems, as I've re- made this point repeatedly with uh, on Denver Stiffs, is that in the history of the Nuggets, it shows that the, to the tone and everything comes down, it comes from the top down. It just, it's the tone is set at the top, and then it trickles down. And in this sense, <laughs> the, the tone that Dick and Charlie Monfort have set for the last 10 years has been one of mediocrity and disappointment. You know, and you know, I thought this was pretty low hanging fruit. To be honest with you, I figured this—you know—everyone would would be okay with this. Well, then the reaction I got was pretty intense, and then I, I came to the realization after a while. You know, even though I would like to blame Bill James, the um, the founder of uh, Sabermetrics, for all my woes, you know, because it was like it was a very Sabermetric <laughs> anger that was coming back at me. So the people that were. Attacking you for your garbage article. Yes. <laughs> as they put it. Yes. Not my words. 
We're using sabermetrics as a way to defend the Monforts? It was, it, it was, are they defending the Monforts or are they defending the franchise? The franchise. And Monforts are included in it. The Monforts are included. What yeah. I got here from your article, by the way, was <laughs> that you were, uh, you were holding the Monforts to task. And I, and I guess you could say, well, what's the difference? So go ahead. I, I'm just trying to make sure I understand. Okay. Anyway, I came to the realization after a while that maybe if I was a Rockies fan, just exclusively a Rockies fan, or, or just just go exclusively with the Colorado Rockies, if I was one of those people, maybe I would get to the point where year after year I keep hearing about the Monforts, and maybe I have some sort of victim complex now, feeling put upon constantly by people bitching about the Monforts. From casual fans, or someone who's like me who is a fan, but you know, is an intense fan, you know. And I think that's probably what it was, what the anger was coming from. It's like, we're sick of people doing this all the time, you know, and then you end up defending someone that you don't necessarily like because you feel that you are directing your ire at the Rockies in general, and we as fans of the Rockies identify with being put upon, essentially. Because you're constantly. you're harshing their their buzz, man. You're harshing my enjoy the Rockies. They don't they don't care about championships or World World Series. They just want you to like it the way they do, right? Uh, that's, well, I'm sure that's part of it. And I still think that there's you know, I mean you can see this with any sports team, there's always that hope that while it's not really the problem with the ownership it's just our players are perhaps still needing to develop and look we have these guys that are going to be developing but that's all missing the point it is with the rockies it's ownership is the problem and it's trickled into you know dan o'dowd's decision making of you know from drafting players to how they're setting up developing the farm system and you can see if you just look at the course of history with the rockies that things are a mess yeah they get lucky every once in a while with a guy like Tulowitzki with a trade for Carlos Gonzalez for developing a guy here or there, like maybe Aaron Cook or whatever, you know, developing some guys. Now Julian Shasheen is a guy that's been, you know, Julian? decent. Ulysse. Well, Ulysse. Whatever. <laughs> fine. I don't have the pronunciations down. Yeah, it's fine. No, it's fine. But, uh, you, you know, you, you, you get these. Ulysse uh, Stone of the Nuggets. Is he still with the Nuggets? Ulysse Stone. Still call the guy Nikolic Tuskidic Davili. So, I mean, it's fine. Linus Kleiza, whatever. But it's victims. It's it, I, I do really, I think after, after pretty much, essentially 10 years of, of hearing about the Monforts, I think they finally reach a point where you're like, well, you know, feeling like everyone is out to get you. Not necessarily in a paranoid way, but in a, we're sick of hearing all the negative stuff about the Monforts, even though we don't particularly like them. But there's so much stuff you know? to, I mean, I just, I just look at the history of everything with the Rockies and it's like everything stems, like you've said, from the top. It's like, you know, you'd mentioned hanging on to guys in your article, hanging on to some prospects too long, you know, and I think immediately of Ian Stewart. I hear about this guy, Ian Stewart, that's going to be this amazing third baseman that's, you know, the Rockies can't trade him for this established player or that established player because they got this guy in the farm system that's going to be amazing. He gets to the majors. I think he's hitting like one something now or he's washed out with every team he's been on since the Rockies. He wasn't any good. And it's like they couldn't realize that during their development. That this guy, yeah, maybe we should trade him for a Roy Halladay, 
when we can get somebody like that because he sucks and we know it, but the other teams don't know it yet. You know, and they hate, it's, there's just so many patterns with the Rockies of there's so much history you can bring up where it's like bad decision, bad decision, bad decision. And it's like, when are we going to realize as a fan base that it, we need change? Monfort's need to fire Dan O'Dowd. They need to get rid of that because he's been here. You could say the same thing with the Nuggets of George Carl. They hung on to George for so long. They finally got rid of him. Rockies need to do the same thing. Yeah. Look at Pat Bowen. He doesn't put up with that crap. Yeah. He runs a first-class organization that if they're not winning, he changes courses. He did it with Mike Shanahan, obviously Josh McDaniels, and he's probably going to do it with John Fox if Fox doesn't produce the Super Bowl in the next year or two. I have to take a big issue with the comparisons between the Rockies, the Nuggets, and the Broncos, meaning that comparing teams from different sports leagues. It's hard. I mean, we can all sit here and I can say, you know what? We all want a team like the Broncos. We all want an owner like Pat Bolin because we want a team that is constantly striving to be a championship caliber team. We want that and we want to see that in our Nuggets and we want to see it in our Rockies. But that is, it's, it's a little, you can't really compare them because they, 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 the, the leagues themselves are so differently structured and they're, they're, if, if you want to, and I, and I agreed with your article, Jeff, about the Rockies for the most part. I understand that the, the Monforts seem kind of like lame ducks, just kind of like limp dicks out there running a team that is generating a lot of revenue and profit for themselves. And they couldn't really give a shit one way or the other, whether or not the team goes off to win a world series, which is all really what we want. We have a championship mentality in this city. Yeah. But on the other hand, I, I, I say, well, what about comparing the Rockies not to the Broncos, but comparing them to other National League teams around across the country? And you could say, well, as far as Rockies fans go, we don't really have that much to complain about because we were in the World Series just a few years ago. We did win a National League pennant just a few years ago. I look at teams that really have a reason to complain, like the Atlanta Braves, you know, who went to the you know, NL championship like four times, one world, one world series in, in the nineties, right? They, they, they haven't been to the, you know, the world series since 1999 or, or they haven't been in the NL championship since 1999. Yeah. You, you look at teams like the Pittsburgh Pirates, you know, who are actually, you know, ironically doing very well right now. With Clint Hurdle. You, you look at, <laughs> you look at the uh, Chicago Cubs. I mean, these are teams that actually have a reason to complain. I mean, even the, the, the Padres, who haven't done anything since the late 90s. We threw in the Cubs, too, and that's the team that's tried basically anything and everything to figure out how to win, right? They've thrown money at problems. They've tried drafting guys. They've tried trading for guys. They've done everything, and they've come up short every well, single time. It's so like you said, though, there's no... There's no quick fix really in base, baseball or basketball. It's a hard, it's a different beast to build than a football team. Well, the thing is, is like you said, the, you, you wanted to minimize the Rockies success in 2007 because it was pure luck. Right? Without Rocktober, they would not have made the playoffs. Right. right. Well, what I'm saying is that all the teams that, except for some of the perennial championship teams like the Giants or, or like maybe the Cardinals, those teams, um, you have a magical run. They they have without the exception of those those teams like the maybe it's the the Diamondbacks Dallas Mavericks right? in the NBA the Diamondbacks those yeah. teams you you don't just dismiss something as luck or a fluke you say I rely on luck or a fluke in order to get there 
Um, not every team that that you field, especially in the in the Major League Baseball, where the odds are absolutely stacked against a, a market like Colorado, and that's what it is. When you compare the different leagues, you have to compare the the, the players' agreement, the the unions, the the power of the unions, the contracts, all that stuff, and you have to say. Maybe maybe the Rockies shouldn't be complaining. Maybe Rockies fans should be complaining that much at all. I mean, think about all the teams that should be complaining more. Well, I, you know, if you looked at you look at it at that standard, you could make that argument in every other team in every other sport. You know, there's always going to be someone who's worse. Yeah. You can only do it in a vacuum. But yeah, well, when you look at just like the last maybe ten years of of National League champions, there's only been like four teams: Giants, Cardinals, Phillies. Rockies, essentially. I, th- I think the Astros were in there at some point, but now they're an American League team, so we don't count them. <laughs> but like big baseball markets, Phillies can throw a ton of money at guys. Phillies, three Cardinals can do the same. Times, right? Giants, couple times. Cardinals, they've been in there every year. So it, well, it's, it, the, the point is, sport. is that the the failure is not abnormal; it's normal. Well, it's, and so you're asking the Monforts to not just be competent, you're asking them to be extraordinary. And that's what you need in Major League Baseball in order to feel a championship team. It's, there's no, there's no, uh, winning, you know, a good string of, of, of playoff games in the NFL one game at a time. I mean, the best teams in Major League Baseball win the championship every single year. I think well, in the ba- in the Rockies, whether or not it was a fluke or whatever, they still went to the goddamn World Series and they still won the National League pennant. And I don't think it's a fluke. I think it's <laughs> awesome. And it only happened a few years ago. Yeah, it is awesome. I mean, everybody, nobody's going to disagree with that. And you do have to have the luck, like you're saying. But I think the thing with, I don't, I don't totally disagree with the fact that they've hung on to Dan O'Dowd and let him ride out some rough years and try to see if what he could build might be something worth building over. However long he's been here, it seems like he's been here for, you know, 50 years, but. 1999. Since 99. So yeah, they've given him plenty of time to change the course of the franchise. And I don't totally disagree with that because sometimes you do have to give a guy like we saw with other GMs in town, Masai Ujiri, a guy that I'm very familiar with. He had three years and he was still trying to build something. Dan O'Dowd was going to need at least probably five, six years to try to build something. But look, it's been 14 years, right? I mean, you gotta, now why, go in a different direction. Show but, me something else. Why isn't Why isn't Tulo crucified every day by guys like Jeff Morton? He why is. isn't Why isn't Carlos Gonzalez, is. you know, ridiculed? Why isn't the Country Music Artist of the War, uh, Country Music <laughs> <laughs> Artist Tyler, of the Tyler Year Chatwood. Award, Tyler, Tyler Chatwood? Chatwood. Come on. <laughs> you know, it's it's one of those things where you know. They, they, they really decided to do the to, take the Oakland A's approach. You know, the money ball, Billy Bean. You know, anyone see the movie Moneyball or read the book? You know, or you. It's a strategy that has worked in history exactly once. once. And they're, they're trying to do it based on that approach. But is it based on cast offs and all that stuff? You know, getting secondary, you know, trying to turn trash into treasure, essentially. But Tulo and Cargo's not that. But then, no. are they going that through well, that? Well, Tulo model? is the money ball system. He's a guy you drafted, paid low amounts while he was there, brought him up, and you can pay a couple guys. Like Billy Bean did pay a couple guys throughout his tenure with the A's. Yeah. Giambi being one of the guys that he decided to go ahead and pay. And you But, know. but is this strategy by the Monforts out of a, I think I'm going to get the most for paying as little as I can? Or is it out of necessity because it's a not going to compete? With the Cardinals, the, with the St. Louis, the biggest the, the, the biggest Phillies, problem the Rockies the, have is that pitchers won't come here. 
and at, it's because of the reputation that playing in Colorado has got, you know, over the over the course of time. They don't want to look bad coming to Colorado. That is completely understandable, and and, and that really is something that cripples your organization. But in that sense, you got to develop from from within. And the Rockies' development system has been so piss poor. It's kind of like this: if you're going to do Moneyball, do it, do it good, do it right. And and the Rockies develop do it right, do it all. Night. You're not going to get that guy. Get the other guy. <laughs> but the Rockies get the good guy. The Rockies' ability to develop. Got to get the good guy. Maybe it's not the best guy, but we got to get a guy. The Rockies' ability to develop has been awful, and it's. That is what cripples them more than anything. In fact, I have no problem with the approach. I'm not telling them to spend money. I am, I am going at them for setting a tone of mediocrity in the organization and then keeping Dan O'Dowd for so long when their development system is so bad. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not on board with like, you know, you see it on Twitter once a year. You see it, somebody will write an article once a year of, you know, Mark Cuban should buy the Rockies and, I don't know if that would solve anything more so than the Monfords need to overhaul the minor league system. They need to look at their front office and figure out if this is still the course that they want to go with because the front office hasn't overhauled the minor league system. It doesn't seem like over the past 14 years. You're still getting the same kind of production, same kind of, you know, bad draft picks not being developed into, into high quality pitching prospects. Like Jeff said, that's what they have to do. They have to develop pitchers. And then they have to pay hitters. I mean, that's the thing in Colorado. If you're not going to have the best pitchers, if you can't attract the best, you got to develop decent pitchers. You got to score some runs. You got to, you know, pay guys that can produce offensively. You know, and Helton's going to retire. And do they have their replacement for Helton in the system? You know, Jimmy Chitwood. <laughs> hey, hey, let's just Tyler. Chatwood. I understand. I understand the hatred, or not the hatred, but the frustration surrounding the. Colorado Rockies and their seemingly mediocre position and attitude. Let me just just throw this out there real quick. Here are some teams who have not won the NL pennant in the past 10 years. Diamondbacks, the Mets, the Braves, the Padres, the Reds, the Dodgers, the Brewers, the Pirates, the Nationals, and the Cubs. Are their fan bases is equally outraged? Well, probably. And by the way, that was that was most of the National League. Well, I will, I will, that was most <laughs> of the National League. I will yeah. say that. Well, and there's no, 15 teams, I think, in the National League. I will. I will say this though, and that's that was most of the them. Nuggets have and, been and the Rockies have won the NL. The Nuggets. The Rockies have been in existence for 20 years. They've never won their division. They won the NL. Who they cares are about the, the division? only per team in their division to have never won their division. Uh, I think the the Brewers have never won the National League West. They've been around it's because they were in the American years. League before that. Yeah, but that's been <laughs> since what eighty three. They were in eighty three. Well, well, all I'm saying is the Rockies won the National League. They didn't, you know, National League West. Forget that. Who cares? They won the National League. They, they won your the division. You make the playoffs. Give us some more playoff appearances. <laughs> Fix this team. I don't care just because Mets fans are pissed off. National sucks. Yeah. Have never. It doesn't won mean that we National should be happy. Hey, we're you know we finished with eighty wins. And the Mets fans only had seventy. We're, we're looking pretty good, guys. <laughs> we're not trying to finish ahead of the crappy teams. We're trying to win World Series titles over here, Ross. My point we're is about them banners, baby. My point is is that the the vitriol towards the ownership of the Rockies 
might be better suited to be aimed towards Major League Baseball as an institution that favors certain few teams. Now, I'm not saying Monforts are a great ownership team, but I am saying that maybe we should just be super stoked that we even went to the World Series once. (laughs) And even with our shitty-ass ownership team, we were able to accomplish that when other teams have not. Teams that have been around a lot longer than the Rockies. That's what I'm saying. And this this notion that we are we only care about championships is great to say that, but there is a reality outside of what we want to say. And we can we can definitely say that we want a championship with the Broncos, and that is legitimate. But maybe this notion of the Rockies, maybe that's just a little too far-fetched for the reality. That's where I say with the World Series appearance, I don't give credit for that to the Monforts, even though their front office and the Monforts put that team together. That team came together at some point during the season. Like I give all the credit for that season to the players, to the coaches, because they did something special. I don't see that as being a credit to something that the Monforts put together. It was, I believe Sandy Clough is the one who said, who said that uh, um, on the radio, actually. That, uh, the worst thing that happened is that the best and the worst thing that happened to the Rockies was that, that World Series run. He said it the best because of course the experience and, and the wonderful time it was and I loved it. He said, but it was awesome. But he said it was also the worst because it, it, it gave the Monforts, uh, fuel to legitimize what they're doing. <laughs> Well, here's going to be well, the thing. Everybody's not right turning now, off the podcast. We're, looking, we're talking Rockies. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, we are looking. We're in a situation now. I think Pittsburgh, the Pirates are like leading their division. They're amazing. Lead, maybe even leading the National League. If they make it to the World Series this year, yes, we can talk shit about them all. <laughs> I just want more seasons <laughs> where the Rockies feeling, are the team in first place. <laughs> yeah, I agree. <laughs> come on, give us that. All right, let's take it short, and we're going to come back with our top five list. All right, guys, we're back. We realize we're uh, running a little long. So what we're going to do is wrap this bad boy up. We're going to bring you our top five arenas or stadiums that we want to visit coming up on Thursday. Coming up on Thursday. Stay tuned. Bonus episode time. Adios, folks. See you later. Hey, we'll see you guys (laughs) in a couple of days. Play the music. Play the damn music. Computer sucks, man. (laughs) I wonder if anybody still listens to this part of the song. (laughs) Just you and my mom. Yeah. I blocked my mom on Twitter the other day. Your mom's on Twitter? 